Open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 is where we're going to be at uh, today. We uh, started a series in Romans last week, and today we are on the second sermon in that series. Romans chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 8. So we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 13 in Romans chapter 1. This uh, passage, uh, many of you will recognize it. Um, If you're a small group leader, you'll recognize it. Um, I probably have given the seven-minute version of this sermon about 30 times. Uh, pretty much every uh, time we, we have a small group training, every time we have, uh, oh, a discipleship thing with guys where we're, we're urging them to meet with other guys in the mornings, do, do Bible study together, um, this passage is an anchor. So what I'm telling you is that, uh, you know, we have reasons for doing things the way we do them. Um, this church is structured in the way it is as far as small groups and as far as discipleship, uh, largely because of this passage in the Scripture, okay? So um, this is kind of an anchor point for ministry at Lincoln Avenue. And so a lot of this will hopefully be familiar to you. If I've done a good job in the last 10 years, it will be hopefully familiar to you, if you've been here very long anyway. And then today, you're not getting, some of you are thinking, we're getting the seven-minute version again. No, 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 no. Uh, you're not getting that. We're getting the longer version that kind of includes what if you don't feel like doing this? What if you don't want to do this? What if there's a struggle? What if there's a problem? Okay, and so we're, that's going to be included today. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Father, I thank you for the great privilege that I've had since I became a Christian of being friends with other believers. God, I thank you, Father, for Matt Krebs, my roommate, and John Gady across the hall. Thank you for Kenny Qualls, my pastor. Thank you, Father, for innumerable friendships, relationships, small groups, Bible studies, discipleship groups that have been such a great blessing in my life. Father, I pray that you would give us as a people a great passion to act and living out the gospel that we looked at last week. Holy Spirit, move us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, today doesn't make any sense unless you remember last week, okay? Because today is kind of the the how-to steps of last week, all right? So real quick, Here's the one and a half minute version of last week's sermon, okay? Last week, Paul says he is set apart. His whole life is set apart for the gospel, okay? And then in verse 2, he says, remember the gospel is the story of all time. 
God, since the beginning of creation, God's been setting up and planning and preparing and putting in motion this great gospel story that is all about, verse 3, His Son. And His Son is the descendant of David. He's man. He's fully man who lived the life we couldn't live and then who died a death that was in our place. But not only is he man, but he's also the son of God in power. That's verses 3 and 4. Resurrected from the dead. Unstoppable. Victorious over death and sin and the grave. And then in verse 5, Paul says, We, we Christians, we have been a recipient of this gospel message. And through it we've received two things. Grace, number one. God's riches, God's God's forgiveness, His atonement, His redemption, His adoption, all the riches of God, we've received grace. And then second of all, Paul says, I've received apostleship, okay, as as being sent, one who is sent. And so we've received grace and we've received mission. Verse 5, Paul tells us the mission that he's about is to bring about the obedience of faith. Paul's mission is he wants to, to stir up and bring about faith in other people so that they will obey God. A faith that causes them, that brings them, that, 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 that they desire to be obedient. A, a, a faith that brings about obedience for the sake of his name among all the nations. Now, look very closely at verse 6. Okay? Verse 6, first two words, including you. Okay, so let's back up and do it again. Here's the 22nd version of last uh, week's sermon. I could do this even, even shorter. Ready? Okay, Paul says he's set apart to the gospel. Okay, the gospel is Jesus. Jesus brings about faith that leads to obedience. We receive from Jesus grace and salvation. And then a mission of God. And now verse 6 says, Paul says, you are a part of my mission. You're a part of my mission. He says, including you. Okay, so my mission is to the world, and that includes you. Now, here's where it gets good, all right? You got to rub your hand. That's, that's, that's how you symbolize this. It gets good, okay? So I'm really thankful for this next part because it helps us, okay? So the gospel, that's the foundation, and, and then we realize we have a mission. But then are, are you like me? You're like, how do I do that? How do I do that? How do I bring about, you know, the, the obedience of faith and the nations and all? How do I do it? Pastor, what do I do? If that's what I've been given, how do I do that? All right, well, that's what Paul tells us in these next verses. And he does it by saying, this is, this is what I'm doing, okay? So what's he doing? Well, look at verse 11. We're going to start there, and then we'll back up to verse 8 later. So verse 11, Paul says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. All right, now, now three times in this passage, okay? So verse 10, he says that by, by God's will and his prayers, he may at last succeed in coming to you. Verse 11 says, I long to see you. Um, verse 13 says, I want you to know that often I've wanted to come to you. Okay, three times he talks about this very fact. Man, I want to come see you. I want to come visit you. I want us to be together. First Thessalonians, he calls it face-to-face. Okay, that's kind of a good term, isn't it? Face-to-face. In other words, how do we live out the gospel? How do we live out this great gospel that we've received and now we're supposed to take it to the nations and bring about the obedience of faith in people? How do we do that? Step number one, you've you got, you got to meet people. You, spiritual friendships, you've got to know them. You've you, you got to engage in some sort of, what we call at Lincoln, Christ-centered relationships. Man, notice verse 11. I long to see you. 
Question, who would you say that to, okay? Who would you say that to? Who, who would you say, man, I long to see you, okay? Now, now some of you, man, Paul was telling me there were, there were times in her marriage where, where she and Dave were part. Dave was uh, uh, shipped off to Iraq, I think, at one point, like seven months, you know? And man, when I go on like a three-week mission trip, man, I, like I'm, I'm telling my wife over the phone, I long to see you. Man, I long. How's Haven doing? How's Addie and Haddon and, and Avery? And how's, how's the kids? You know, how, how they do? I long to see them. So yeah, we, we tell our families that, right? Some of you, you've got kids that have moved a long ways away. They moved across the country. And so you probably call them up. Man, I, I, I just long to see you. Some of you, you, your parents live a long ways away. And so you, you know, you write, hey, you email them. Hey, when are you guys going to come see us? I long to see you, right? All those things are, are, are fine and good and well and established. Maybe you got a hunting buddy or a best friend from high school that you might say that to. I want you to recognize that Paul is saying that to people he's never met. Why? I'm not going to give you another version of last week's sermon. I've already given you three, and it's like down to 20 seconds, all right? Why? The gospel, right? I mean, his mission on his life. Okay, that, that has moved him to take the step to say, I want to build spiritual friendships with people. That's that's first step. That's practical step number one. Spiritual friendships with people. There's a verse that's used a bunch in the Bible. Traditionally, pastors and churches use this to guilt people into coming to worship services, okay? And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's actually probably a good thing. But that's how it's usually used. It's Hebrews 10.25. And it says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Okay, that's... You shouldn't neglect to... I'm glad you're here, by the way. Glad you're, you shouldn't neglect to meet together, all right? That's a principle in the Scriptures. But a lot of times, we don't take that far enough, okay? When people hear that, they think, oh, man, I need to go to the service. I need to sit in the service from 11 to 12, you know? I need to be there. Okay, that's all great. But the verse before that is even better. And it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some. I think Paul in Romans 1 is living out what, what Hebrews 10.25 actually intends. Okay, I, I don't think it's just being in a service together, which is great, and that's a good start, and we need to be there. But I, I think it goes much further than that in saying that we need to work. We need to work to build Christ-centered friendships. This is what it means to live out fellowship, to live out discipleship, to be a church together. I mean, just, just think about why, why would Paul go to this trouble to go to Rome? I mean, let me tell you, what's Paul good at? Is there anybody in the history of the world, I challenge you, name somebody in the history of the world that's a better letter writer than the Apostle Paul. You can't do it. There's nobody in the world that's written letters that have gotten more traction, impacted more people, had a bigger, had a bigger bang in the world for, for thousands of years, then Paul, this dude is great at writing letters. He's great at writing books. He's great at theological explanation in writing. Why did he not get him a little cottage on the Mediterranean, nice sunny place, and just write, you know? I mean, why not just write? He'd have probably gotten a lot less trouble. He'd have gotten a lot less beatings. He'd have gotten a lot less imprisonments. Why in the world is he breaking his back to travel over countries to live in houses that are not his with people he's just met to build friendships. Why? I believe, this is the conviction of Lincoln Avenue, that we are to build Christ-centered friendships. That's the way that, that discipleship happens. 
Paul's heart is not just to write. Now, thank, thank God for his letters, okay? But Paul's heart is, is to be with people, to build friendships with people, to hang out with people, to spend time with people, to recognize and affirm their gifts, to, to, to pray for them in their struggles, to see them in action, to serve side by side and hand to hand. That's, that's Paul's passion. There's some things that you just got to be with people to get. I was looking at my voice memos last night for some worship services in India, and I realized that, that barring technological goof-ups, which very well could happen, I, there's, certain, there's a couple voice memos that I want to keep the rest of my life. You know, you can kind of pass them from phone to phone as long as they'll transfer over, put them on your computer. Man, I just want to have them forever. You know, one of them is my little girl's giggling. Uh, I've got one on there where I'm tickling Avery and Haven. And man, I'm telling you, it's like a joy giver. You know, I mean, it just like makes you smile. Okay, I, I, want, I want that forever. Another one that I want forever is these pastors singing in a little, little village called Nizambad, north of Hyderabad, India. Man, I, I just, I listened, I, I played it for my wife last night. I was like, what does this sound like to you? She's like, it doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard, you know? I mean, it does, I mean it's just these guys on the drums and, they're, and, and, and this, this white-haired Indian, I can still picture him, stocky guy. Man, could he sing? But he's, he's just, I have no idea what he's saying. But, but the spirit of these guys coming together, risking their life for the gospel and lifting up praise, man. There's just something that stirred my heart just to be there. Just to be there in the middle of that with them. Jason Vance has been one of our ministry partners for several years. He's playing the church in Surprise, Arizona, preached here two weeks ago. I'll just be real honest. I'll be transparent. I have not prayed for Jason Vance on a regular, um, on a regular basis ever. I just haven't. Uh, I supported the mission partnership. It's a great idea. It's a great church plant. They're doing great work. Brian Bowman's Valley Life. I mean, all of that is, it was worthy of our support. I've written a check. I've, I've encouraged the missions to, re- I mean, I, but I, I, I just be honest, I've never in my heart had this strong passion to pray and, and to know Jason and to email him and encourage him. I just never had that until two weeks ago. What's the difference? Ramiro's, okay? Ramiro's was the difference. Okay, we're at Ramiro's in the back booth, way in the back, Jason and Carrie and their baby and Em and I and my kids, and we're there. And for a couple hours, we just talked about ministry and about family and about what it's like to be a pastor. And he told his funny pastor stories. I told stories about you guys that are funny, you know, and, and we laughed together and we talked about our goof ups and we talked about, you know, how we'd blown it and things we thought were going to work and messed up and, and, and we... You know what happened? We built a friendship. And then he preached in our church and did a great job. And then we went to kids camp together. We sat under the pavilion in the hot with the fifth and sixth grade boys while the guy from Buffalo was, was teaching. And we smirked about how the boys, you know, had a two-second attention span, you know, bugs, squirrel, you know, wind, you know. And we laughed and worked together and, and, and we had meals together. I will, from now on, pray for Jason Vance. I will email him. We've already corresponded back and forth. What happened? What's different? It's a relationship. Why does Paul say, I long to see you. I long to come to you. I want to be with you. This is the way discipleship happens. So, step number one. I know this is obvious, painstakingly so, probably. 
You're all getting ready to write something down. You're going to like, I don't need to write that down. I'm going to go ahead and talk. Actually, I'm going to spend quite a bit of time on it because if we don't get step one, we'll never get any other step. Step number one, take the initiative. Note, what does Paul do? The only thing he can do right now, he writes a letter to them. A letter in which he says, I want to come. I want to come see you. I'm planning on coming to see you. If you read the end of Romans, Romans, I think it's 16, whole thing's about, hey, I'm coming. And, and, and this guy, you, we, we both know, greet him. And this guy, and this guy, and he's setting it up. He wants to come. Had Paul been alive today, he would have made a phone call. He would have sent a text message. He would have sent an email. He would have Facebook friended. He would have FaceTimed. He would have bought a plane ticket. He would have gone to the steps to get to Rome to build a personal relationship with Roman Christians. What does that mean for us? Guys, it's this. It's this. It's it's taking the initiative to walk across the room. Hey, my name's Jason. Hi, Bonnie. Have you lived here long, Bonnie? All your life in Woodward, really. Married? Born in California and you're married? What's your husband's name? Kenny. Kenny. Is he retired? Yes. He is retired. Yeah. And you guys have been in Lincoln Avenue a long time. Since it started. Really? Wow. Well, you've seen a lot. Well, man, it's, it's great to have you here. Thank you. Great to have you here. You doing you good spiritually? You feel like you're doing well in the Lord? And... Probably not as good as I should. But mm. Me too. Me too, Bonnie. That went pretty well, really, don't you think? I mean... Now, I picked an easy one, you know, but it does go bad sometimes, by the way. We'll talk about that in a little bit. It won't ever happen unless that happens. Walk across the room. Walk across a small group. Hey, my name is Jason. You say your name, though. Hey, my name is Jason. How are you? Glad you're here. You got a family? Really? Where you work? What's going on in your life? It's got to happen. You're saying, Pastor, why don't you preach the Bible and not all this practical junk? <laughs> Hold on. Is this not the Bible? <coughs> Romans 3. None is righteous. Verse 10. No, not one. Verse 11. No one understands. No one seeks for God. If you're a believer here, let me give you a little secret. You didn't get that done on your own, okay? Not one of you stormed into the heaven, pounded on the door, and said, Hey, God, I'd like to be with you. You know what happened? God stepped out of heaven and into human flesh, came across the cosmos, into into humanity to live with us and to pursue a relationship with us. John 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is biblical, okay? Biblically, we take the initiative. We take the initiative in people's lives. Step two, we aim, we aim at giving spiritual benefit to their life. You see, if all I ever get done is, hey, what's your name? Here's my name. Who's your husband? That's my wife. Let's eat Cheetos. If that's all it ever gets done, okay, then we've missed it. Look at verse 11. For I long to see you that I may what? What's Paul? I mean, he's laying his cards out. I long to see you that I may 
impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Okay, so, so Paul is saying, my aim is, I, w- I want to come and, and, and spend time with you so that I might give you something of spiritual benefit. Now, when he says spiritual gifts, I do not believe he's talking about, you know, preaching, teaching, evangelism, you know, that, that sort of, I don't think he's talking about that. The Holy Spirit gives those gifts, right? That, that's proper theology. Paul wrote that, right? I don't think he's talking about that. I think he's saying, I want to come and be with you. I want to hang out with you so that I can give you something of spiritual benefit. I can strengthen your faith. That's what verse 11 says, that I'm going to give to you a spiritual gift to strengthen you that I may be a benefit to your spiritual life, okay? In other words, Paul is saying, I want to come and I want to say something, I want to do something, I want to serve you, I want to, I want to hang out with you in such a way that you love God more, that, that, that you love others more, that, that you have, uh, can battle against sin better. I want to walk across the room intending to give you something of spiritual value. Man, that's, that's the kind of people we ought to be, isn't it? We ought not be. This, this goes wrong. When you've got people and their idea of the church is, I'm going to go to that small group, I'll try it out and see if I get something. We just ran off the rails, didn't we? we, we now we're unbiblical. Is that, we're, not, we're not consumers. A lot of people treat the church, they treat small groups, they treat relationships that way. I, I'm, I'm going to get. And if I don't get what I want, Walmart, church, okay, different things, okay? You know why I go to Walmart? To get something, okay? That's the only reason I go. If I don't get anything, it was a failure. I'm not going back, at least until I need something again, right? Church, different. I've already got, right? Grace, apostleship, salvation. Man, I am bursting full. Okay, now, now I go, Jesus said in Acts 20, 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I go intending to give. Imagine a small group that's full of people that walk there, that walk into that house with the intent on blessing someone's spiritual life. Think about a small group in which people leave, and as they leave, as they're thinking about the night, they're not thinking about, well... Now, that was sure a meager meal, you know. I don't think any of that. I don't think that one family brought anything, you know. Boy, I sure didn't get much out of that. I, no, they're not running that in their mind. They're running over. Man, did I strengthen anybody by what I said? Did, did I point to Jesus? Did, did, did I speak any truth? Did I, did I pray for anybody? Did I help anybody? Did I praise? I think did, did I do anything of spiritual benefit? And listen, I'm not talking about profound. I think some people are thinking, man, he's asking me to say something profound. Listen, I've never said anything profound in my entire life. I mean, I haven't. I've never been in a group of people where we're all sitting around and there's kind of a lull. And I'm like, guys, you know, and then I, I speak it, you know, and everybody's like, oh, you know, my life's complete now. That's all. That doesn't happen. Don't expect that to happen. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the food line, you're getting your chips, you're getting the little hot dog dealies, and you turn over, and somebody, the guy next to you getting his food, you know, he, he happened to share last week. He just said, hey, pray for me, I'm struggling. And, and, and so you're in the food line, and you're like, hey, man, thanks for sharing that last week. That really, you know, just knowing that somebody else is struggling, that really helped me out a lot. You know what? That may have been the little boost that guy needed. The Holy Spirit, remember, he's the one. He's the one. 
Use that. Help that guy go forward. Maybe it's something as similar as, you know, hey guys, I just, here, you know, here's a verse that's been meaningful in my life. Da, 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 da. It's really special. God spoke to me. Man, you don't think God will use that stuff? I think he will. Maybe it's, maybe it's this, walking out of small groups. Hey, 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 Bill, hold up. Man, yeah, I appreciate what you shared, and I know you guys are struggling. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for Bill. Please help him. I want to be his friend. Please give him your grace. Amen. Glad you came tonight, Bill. Spiritual stuff. Okay, so you've heard that version 30 times from me probably. Here's what I want to spend the rest of my time on. I think think there's a bunch of us here who, when we hear that, I think if we'll be gut honest, we say, I don't want to. Okay? Now, sometimes we say, I don't think I can. Sometimes we say, I think I'm too shy. Sometimes we say, I'm too busy. Okay, but I, I think all those boil down to the real kind of crux of it. I don't want to. What happens when you don't want to? What do you do? What do you do? Well, this, I think Paul helps us here, okay? So I want to give you four things that in this passage that I think will help with your, I don't want to, okay? So when you hear, you got the gospel, God's given it to you, you're a saved person, you're a believer, you got the mission of God in the world, that mission is going to come primarily through relationships, and you're just like, I don't want to. Okay, what do you do? Verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Okay, notice what Paul says there. Paul's like, man, I am overjoyed. I am full of gratitude to God when I heard about the faith of the Christians in Rome. Okay, you see what what's, what Paul's happened there in him? What are you thankful for? Yes, most people, what are you thankful for? What immediately comes to our mind? And, and I'm guilty. Okay, I'm, I'm the same. What, what comes to your mind? Air conditioning, right? Today, right? Air conditioning, right? Um, a nice car, a good house, a good wife, a good kids, uh, plenty of food, a good job, right? Those are the things that, that maybe come to our minds, right? What, and those are good. You should be thinking, God gave you every one of those things. What do they all have in common, though? They all center around your comfort. You see, I think there's something wrong with us when that's the big thing in our life. What I see here in Paul is, when he hears about the, the, the principal, the capital city of the world, pretty much, the Ro- Roman Empire, when he hears about the faith of, of the Christians in Rome, that excites him, moves him. And so here's, here's what I would say. If you just don't have a, I don't want to, I, I think you should start trying to cultivate in you an excitement for the kingdom of God going forward. An excitement for people coming to know Christ. An excitement for husbands to begin to lead their families in, 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 in spiritual things. And an excitement for people being built up in the Lord for orphanages being started and people being, God saying amen. See, he's saying we're on the right track. So he's giving, yes, 
You ought to cultivate a gratitude for spiritual things. Okay, now you're like, all right, pastor, that was sort of helpful. I see where, you know, being, me being all about my comfort is a hindrance to me taking that initial step. But again, how, how, do, how, do, I, how do I go further? How, what, what can I do to stir my heart? Okay, look at verse 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. Okay, now, if we just had this, that would not be incredibly impressive, still impressive, that Paul, on a regular, unceasing basis, mentions and prays for people he's never met and doesn't know, okay? That's impressive. But let's, let's go a little further, and when we look at Ephesians, guess what? He says the same thing, 1 and 3. When we look at Colossians chapter 1, he says the same thing. Philippians chapter 1, he says the same thing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he says the same, same thing. Okay, over and over and over again, everywhere we read in the, in, the, in, the, in the life of the Apostle Paul, he is unceasingly, continually praying for people. Okay, so all the people he knows in Thessalonica, he's praying for them. All the people he knows in Ephesus, he's praying for them. All the people he knows in Corinth, he's praying for them. All the people he knows in Rome, he doesn't know them, but, he, but he's heard of them, he's praying for them. All across, you, know, you know the implication of that? Paul prays a lot. Question, think this through, let's process this. Is that a dumb move? He's using a lot of time to pray. Now, what do we know about Paul? He's a good letter writer. True? I mean, should he not maybe just spend his time writing theological treaties? What else do we know about Paul? The guy's a good businessman. Okay, we, we know that when he went into areas... Where, where he was not able to, to have support from the churches, you know what he did? He started a business. And, and, and today it would be the equivalent of manufacturing mobile homes, okay? That's, I mean, he was a tent maker, okay? Right? And like, not, not, not like Coleman tents, but like tents you would live in, all right? And so, so the, guy's, the guy's got enough skill and brains and smarts that he can go into a city that he... That he He's not from, start up a business, and make enough money to support himself and his ministry. Maybe, maybe he should have prayed less and, and done more business. I'm just trying to reason this out. What Was all that prayer worth it? Now, I think you're all saying yes, but be careful. Yes has an implication <laughs> on us, doesn't it? Right? On our excuse that I don't have time, I don't set apart time. You know. Okay, so Paul's not wasting his time. In fact, I, I would say he's not. I would say Paul's prayers are a game changer. I would say that they move, that they, they, they God has ordained them in such a way that, that as Paul is praying unceasingly, that the, the Spirit of God is moving, changing people's lives. And the second implication, here's what's really exciting. I believe Paul's heart is moved. Is this true? Or not? When you pray for people, does your heart change toward them? Here's what I would say to the person who, as small groups get ready to start back up, they're like, ah, I just don't know. I just don't know if I want to go. You know, ours last, last year wasn't that great. I just don't want to go. I just don't know. You know I, there's, I don't really click. You know, I, I, I would say this. I, the, my first response would be, have you prayed consistently for the people in your small group? And if Paul is praying for churches all over the world, okay, 
I'm just saying, can we narrow down and have you prayed specifically and consistently for your small group? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that's the only thing, right? I mean, you might have somebody in there that's cranky and cantankerous and they dominate the discussion and all they want to talk about is not spirit. I mean, there are going to be things that go wrong in a small group. I understand that, okay? But, but, but the first step would be, have I prayed, okay? Because prayer, we, what we see here, you know, let's read it again. Verse 9 and 10, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Do you notice that Paul praying for them unceasingly flows right into how bad I want to come to you? I think there's a connection there. My application to this sermon. Uh, I have one. We should always try to have a Practical application to the word we hear, right? My application, and you can ask me if I did it, okay? Keep me accountable, okay? So the first this week, here's what I'm doing. I'm going on my Google pictures, and I'm printing out pictures. I actually may have Paula do some of this just to be completely transparent, okay? I'm going to print out a bunch of pictures of in, pastors in India, okay? And I'm going I'm to cut them out, or have someone cut them out. I'm going to have them put, I'm gonna put them on like a, a big board, a sheet, a paper, car, something, a book. I'm going to print them out, put them on. I'm going to FaceTime Solomon, and I'm going to hold him up to my computer and say, okay, who's this guy? And he's going to tell me his name, and I'll write it down. Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Who's this guy? I realized, as I was thinking about my prayers for India and, and, and the pastors there, what I realized is, I can't remember most of their names. That's a hindrance to my praying for them. Now, I've still been praying for them, but I was just thinking about what would help me pray for those guys more if I knew their names. And then even better, if I could, if I could oh, that guy's up in Nizambad, and that guy's in Barachalam, and that guy's here, and that guy's there. That would be even more impactful. Okay, and so what I'm saying is, if we want our hearts to be stirred to move in ministry, we need to pray for people. We need to pray for them. This last week, what I saw, not this last week, this last year, when we, when we put up the sign to go, to go to Guatemala, we had a hard time. We, we had a hard time filling that 15-person team. In fact, I don't think we ever got them completely full. Uh, I think we got like 14 out of 15. What, what, if, what if we had 300 people at Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church who were praying on a weekly, bi-weekly, twice-a-month basis for Consuela and Alvaro and Sebastian and Dolores and, and those folks in Guatemala? What if, what if we had, I wonder if, we put up the sign the first week and 15 people fill that. Because doesn't it make sense that prayer for those people creates a longing to see them? If you pray regularly for your small group, I think you'll be excited to go. I think that's what will happen. Number three, be convinced, be convinced that meeting with other believers with the intent to give them a spiritual benefit will bless you as well. Okay, notice verse 12. So verse 11, Paul says, I long to see you that I may impart to you a spirit, some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Verse 12, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Okay? What, what is Paul saying? He's saying, when we get together, here's what I know will happen. I'll be encouraged by your faith. You'll be encouraged by my faith. He said, I know that'll happen. Now, now think through that. This is the Apostle Paul. Caught up to the third heaven, wrote 13 books of the New Testament, planted church all around the world, met the Lord Jesus face to face on the Damascus Road. What's, what's some dude in Rome without an education, who's out of the slave market, who's been born again two months, what's that guy going to give Paul? See, that's the way we think, right? 
I know that's the way we think because I hear people saying that. What do I have to offer? What can I give anybody? Well, Paul evidently thinks they can, right? Paul's convinced in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul knows that it would be wrong of him to think in terms of the only way that people can be encouraged in, in faith is, 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 is through, through lots of knowledge about the Bible. No, that's wrong. In fact, what the Bible tells us is that every believer is, is a vessel through the, the Holy Spirit flows. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. It says that. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 1 Peter 4, 10. Each one has given, been given a gift that we're to use to serve one another. Okay? God uses ordinary people through the power of His Spirit. you got to get together, though. Can I tell you one of the things that encouraged me most this week in the faith? I just think it's a cool story. It shows this. So we're in doing our family Bible study Thursday morning. Got everybody at McDonald's. We're reading Luke uh, in the Gospel of Luke. We're reading the story of Jairus and his daughter. Um, I, I read it through. We talked about, you know, uh, uh, Jesus raising this little girl from the dead. And I told Avery, I was like, Avery, go get that children's storybook Bible. That, that thing is so well written. I remember there's a really cool part in it about the story. And so Avery goes and gets the children's storybook Bible. We read the story out of there. And the writer is so brilliant. I wish I could quote it to you. I should, should just read it. But, but the part when Jesus raises her, he talks about how Jesus comes up to the little girl and, 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 and touches her gently. And then it says, he reaches down into death and brings her out. And, and man, I'm telling you, I'm, like, I'm getting choked up reading it. And I, looked over, I look over at my 22-year-old daughter. She's got tears coming down her face. And she says, Dad, why is that so beautiful? All day long, I thought about that. I thought about Jesus coming to this little 12-year-old girl. She's dead. And her parents are, are weeping and mourning at a funeral. And Jesus comes in and reaches into death and pulls her out. Wow. But it's my daughter sharing that moment together. Dad, why is that so beautiful? Would that happen if we don't get together? Mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Paul knows. Paul knows. If I go to Rome, I'll be encouraged by these people. My faith will be built up. What are you saying if you won't get together with believers? What are you saying? You're saying, I don't believe God. I don't believe you'll do it. I don't believe you'll build me up. Number four, what if you don't want to? Verse 13, push through the obstacles. I want you to know, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. All right, is it always easy? No, no, it's not always easy. Okay, there's times where, where, where we try and it, and it doesn't work. Well, what is that saying? That's saying Paul tried to go to Rome again and again and again and just kept meeting opposition. That happened over and over again. 1 Thessalonians 2.17. Okay, it's a, the verse I read to you before. Paul says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire, notice this phrase, to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. Are there times where you're hindered? Yes. Yes. 
Are there times when you get up and go across the room and you don't even get there? Has that ever happened to you? I was ribbing somebody in this very service the other day. They, they said, hey, who is, who is that one? Or no, I mentioned somebody that goes to our church. And they were like, well, who's that? I'm like, they sit behind you every week, you know? <laughs> like, what are you doing to greeting? And they defended themselves by saying, Pastor, honestly, I get up and, and, and I start heading for a visitor. I can't get there. Man, there's, there's too many friends. I'm greeting, you know? That's true. Em and I, how many times has this happened, Em? I, she or I say, hey, let's invite somebody over this week. Let's, let's, that one family, that new family, let's, let's invite them over. Honey, how, how many times do we sit down and we're like, all right, what about Monday night? Oh, no, I got a meeting Monday night. What about Tuesday night? No, the kids got soccer Tuesday night. What about Wednesday night's church? What about Thursday night? No, I, I'm supposed to be at so-and-so doing so-and-so. What about Friday? What about Saturday? I can't tell you how many times we're like, ah, can't do it this week. Right? That's true. Paul, Paul knew that. He tried to get to Rome, but he was prevented. Circumstances, pressing needs, geography, schedule, time, kids' events, relational fatigue. Sometimes Satan hinders us. I'm asking you guys to pray for me. Pray for me about my visa. We had our October trip all kind of scheduled. We met over kids camp. We pulled in another pastor who had been to India before. He's a kind of a veteran in India. And we had this all, all planned out to do three big pastor's conferences there. Uh, right after kids camp, I got a call from my buddy. His visa was denied. They're, they won't let him in the country. I got a call that very day from Trevisa saying, we need you to sign a form. And they sent me the form, and the form basically says, I will not preach the gospel or teach or attend any religious services while I'm in India. And so I stopped my visa at Houston. My buddy can't go, so our pastor's conferences are already kind of messed up. And now I'm, I'm basically what I'm going to try is I'm going to try to get just a temporary 30-day in-the-country tourism visa right before I go. And our thinking is that they won't scrutinize those as much. They won't look at them as closely. Um, but we've got to go ahead and plan the whole trip and just bank on maybe getting in. Sometimes we're hindered, right? But here's what Paul says in verse 13. He keeps trying. He keeps trying. You hear that? He keeps walking across the room again and again and again. Why? He says that I may reap some harvest among you. And he's confident that if he's just relentless to walk across the room, if he's just relentless to, to intend on giving spiritual benefit to people, that God will use that. And God will bring fruit. The same promises to you. Isn't it? If you'll be relentless, if you'll keep walking across the room, you'll keep introducing yourself, you'll keep making connections, you'll keep trying to build spiritual friendships. In your heart and in your mind, every time you go everywhere, your intent is, how can I build this person up in the faith? You'll have lots of failures, lots of not working out, lots of being prevented, but God will give fruit.